no, no, no. I don't hate fun. Uh, I recently watched Finding Dory on Disney Plus a few nights ago. Does that sound like a guy who hates fun? Kind of. I like the rant. Ranting is fun. It also makes it cleanses the soul. Uh, Detroit is to be one of the best sports cities in the country, if not the best. Surely Javi can't be as bad this year as he was last year. Surely that can't be the case. One of the worst offenses, if not the worst offense, like in the modern era of baseball, just absolutely atrocious. He is a piece of the puzzle. He is not the entire puzzle. Right. He's a puzzle piece, but he is not the entire puzzle. This is the Michigan and Trumbull podcast with your hosts, Alex S. Freeman and Luke Giaconis. Hello and welcome to the Michigan and Trumbull podcast. I'm Alex Freeman, joined as always by Luke Giaconis. Luke, how you doing? Good. How are you? Good, good. Let's just give this a quick little timestamp here. It is Thursday, August 24th, about 4.45 p.m. as we record. The Tigers just dropped two of three to the Chicago Cubs in com- competitive-ish fash- fashion. Um, uh-huh. But yeah, that's kind of that's where we're at. That's kind of where we're at in this season right now. I'm saving that for my rant, so I don't want to get too... Oh. I don't want to bury the lead too much, oh, but that's it. that's going to kind of be part of my rant. So, yeah, that's that's where I'm at. But uh, yeah, you know, hey, I know I know we're a Tigers podcast, but I, I think uh, we would be silly if we didn't recently if we didn't talk about the recent news, the unfortunate news that is about one Shohei Otani, a generational talent who will not pitch again this season. Looks like he's on his way to another. I don't know if they've officially announced. Tommy John surgery or anything uh, in terms of specifics of that, but yeah, not great, um, not great. I, you know what it was crazy to me about that? I, I think was it Sean that texted us this morning, or someone mm-hmm. in the group chat did. I and it was Sean. I like went to Twitter news. and surprisingly, yeah, when when I checked Twitter this morning, like I thought it would be everywhere, and it really wasn't. And then I feel like as the day went by, maybe just people needed to wake up, honestly, and yeah. just kind of refresh their Twitter feeds, but. What, yeah, once it got going, the one thing I didn't even think about and, you know, just kind of goes to show you how stupid I can be sometimes is the implications this will have on his free agent frenzy. I yeah. mean, his stock is now cut in half. I mean, he's I think I saw reports that he's probably out at least, what, 100, 150 high end, 200 million dollars potentially. Because yeah, I mean, probably like definitely know, going they, to cost him 100 million. Yeah. If not much more. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's brutal. It sucks. And, it's not great, and so, it makes yeah. the Angels look even dumber. Yeah, for not Which moving. We, who would have thought? Yeah, who would have thought that they could look dumber than they already do? But the Angels, you know, I think I've been so blinded with Alavila's incompetence and Chris Illich's moronicness that, I mean, maybe there is an argument to be made that they are an act. They're actually a worse organization than the Tigers. I mean, I know we kind of debated it on the last show, but, you know, I know they might, they may have had some better winning records, you know, in a season than the Tigers Mm -hmm. have. But if you had to ask me right now, who do you feel more confident going into next season and seasons to come? I mean, I would probably put some money on the Tigers right now. I can't believe I'm saying that, but I just, I don't know if that's a, 
it's a slight tip of the cap to the Tigers, but I think it's just more so being uber aware of how awful the Angels organization is and how they just completely crap the bed time and time again. Yeah, it's a really interesting like organization to look at because, you know, often you 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 look at like a team like the Mets. I'm gonna use the Mets as an example, where this heading into this season in particular, money was no object for Steve Cohen. He was going to buy himself a championship and that blew up in his face. Then on the other side of things, mm-hmm. you have you have still billionaire owners like uh with teams like the Oakland Athletics who talk about how uh we're a minor market franchise. We can't really like we can't afford to keep the payroll up at the, the we can't compete with those guys like they're just going to buy our talent away um and they like cry poor when they you know have uh-huh. billions of dollars and right and then you have the a team like the angels which is in a major market um has generational talent but can't put the rest of the puzzle together to to do anything to you know as you as you mentioned like i mean now that now they truly have no pitching um but you wouldn't have had to spend that much money to get guys that could could make out a competitive rotation behind Shohei Otani um and you certainly in LA as the Dodgers have given you the example have the money to attract top tier pitching talent and you could have you know two aces on the team yeah i just think the angels are a who gives a shit organization mm-hmm. and that's so crazy to say because they have two generational talents on their team in trout and shohei like it's just it's it's crazy to me that they that they fumble the ball as much as they do and I don't really know. I guess I haven't. I, you know, honestly, I guess we should talk to Tom maybe. And when we do our like end of the season show, we should talk to him. Like, or do you know? I just like the ownership mm-hmm. and the game plan and the strategy is just so poor. I mean, on paper, that team should be great. I mean, everything you just said—they're a big market team. They've got the talent. They can spend money. But it's. I mean, I know the Mets are always going to mess it up. And, you know, and this year we're seeing like the Cardinals kind of trip over themselves, which we've never really seen. Padres are still kind of a weird case. I don't really know how that team is so how they're underperforming as poorly as they are, given the talent that's on the roster. That's kind of like an anomaly. But this is something we've consistently seen from the Angels the last five, six, seven, eight years. You know, I mean, they're they're not they're still tied with the Tigers. You know, they're not, neither one of those two teams, Tigers or Angels, are going to the playoffs here. So the the Wager will live on another year of which team can get into the playoffs before the other and, and kind of break that cold streak. So, yeah, I don't know. It's it's crazy. It's crazy to me. I, I, I don't I don't have an answer for it. There's a lot more smarter baseball people who probably have ideas that maybe can speak to it. But just as someone, I guess, who's a casual viewer of the L.A. Angels, admittedly, I'm not watching their games every night. I just can't believe the stupidity that plagues that organization. I mean, I've complained a lot about it with the Tigers over these last four seasons that we were doing this show and years even before we've had this show. But the Angels really are a special brand of stupid. And it's, it's quite remarkable. It's quite remarkable. So yeah. uh, real quick, I know before we get into too much of the other sh- pro- show programming, um, two things I did want to talk about 
Uh, one very positive and one, I think, positive but also sad uh, before we kind of get into the rants and then the main topic of the week and everything. The first one is Parker Meadows debuted. Beautiful. About damn time, as Lizzo would say. It was about damn time. Uh, great series with the Cubs. I don't want to go into too much detail about actual Cubs series because, like I said, that's going to kind of be the subject of my rant for the week. But really, really strong debut from Parker Meadows. I know he had some hits. I know he had the triple. I know he can fly. The ground he made up and him flying, um, getting that fly ball in center field, that, that, I mean, it wasn't like, it wasn't Austin Jackson over the shoulder preserving Galarraga's perfect game worthy or anything like that, but it was just impressive. It was just it, watching him soar through the mm-hmm. outfield. I was like, this guy is going to be hopefully very special. Um, so yeah, just really awesome to see. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll save other comments for Parker Meadows and his, his progress of being brought up to the major leagues later on for our main discussion of the show. Cause I think that will definitely be a point of, topic and maybe contention between us, but uh, just really awesome. Well, well overdue. Great to see his family there, not to go down the sad road. And this is, this is not the part two of what I want to talk about. Just, I just kind of came to me a bummer that Austin Meadows, um, you know, obviously what was not in attendance from, from, I believe mm-hmm. what we were told that he was, he was not there. So again, as we always say, just good thoughts, good vibes, Austin Meadows, as he's uh, kind of rehabbing and recovering. I, you know, I think we've talked about in the past, um, it's a tricky situation for him, for the team. You wonder, if, are they going to get to that point soon where they have to maybe make a tough business decision? Who knows? Um, maybe Parker, you know, having fun in the majors and exceeding will, will help Austin. I don't know, you yeah. know, the, the struggles that, you know, he's going through, obviously. So just keep sending good thoughts. And it would be very, very cool, obviously, to see um, both Parker and Austin Meadows patrolling the outfield in Comerica. Uh in seasons to come, if it happens. So fingers crossed. Uh, the other thing I want to talk about real quick before we get to the rant was Eric Haas is no longer a Detroit Tiger. That is true. Um, he's a Cleveland Guardian. He's a Cleveland Guardian. Yes, he is. Uh, this was sad, but warranted, but still sad. I can't think of a guy in recent memory that the bulk of the fan base truly loved, liked, respected, etc. Was he the perfect baseball player? No. No, he wasn't. I, I think you can make the argument over all his three seasons, he started to kind of decline from 21 to 22 to 23. you got to keep in mind, for what it's worth, and it means absolutely nothing, at the end of our uh, recap from our 2022 season last year, he was my MVP. He was my yeah. MVP for the Tigers. You know, He had a pretty decent to okay season last year, which was overall very underwhelming for the Tigers. But, uh, yeah, this year was just rough. From, from out of the gate, he, he looked... He just, in 2022, I vaguely remember him looking pretty bad through April and part of May, but in May, he kind of started to turn it around and then slowly but surely he kind of climbed his way back to the top. And by the end of the 2022 season was, you know, one of the main contributors for the Tigers. It just, he was stuck in the mud this, this whole season, yeah. which sucks. Baseball's a hard game. It's a hard game. He seems like a hell of a dude. I, I have no ill will towards him, no malice. I wish him nothing but the best. And what a cool journey for someone who's, you know, a local kid to get to kind of live out their dream with, you know, their, their team and everything. I think that's pretty, pretty awesome. So had some big moments in 2021, Eric Haas did. Yeah. A lot of big home runs. Had the game-tying home run on opening day in 2022. Uh, you know, kind of had a teeter-totter career with the Tigers. But overall, I look back on it and say nothing but love and respect for Eric Haas and definitely wish him the best. I don't know about you. Yeah, no, I mean, I, de- I wish him... Uh 
mostly continued success except for when cleveland comes comes to detroit or detroit goes to cleveland um and yeah when i think about those guys in particular i mean there's a whole class of them now the eric hosses the potentially akil badu um the the guys that were bright spots in the very very dark years um right now that hopefully they can they can find a place in a franchise i mean we've seen uh i mean we we saw it again a little bit this weekend uh with jamer like refinding success coming coming back home to the cubs uh-huh. uh after some some years meandering in the mlb wilderness and so so yeah i mean like hopefully hopefully this is uh ultimately a good step for eric's career um that perhaps perhaps someday he comes he comes home uh to detroit we'll see uh you know i mean how many times did cameron maben come home to detroit so three i think i think now he's a broadcaster so you never know so so yeah you never know you just hope they can go find find whatever whatever they started to lose focus on or whatever wasn't getting through and some some new coaching some new new voices in the ears can can turn them around i think what's interesting too is and i tweeted this out earlier in the week when haas got dfa'd was again not that anybody thought the 2021 tigers were winning the world series sorry we were about to endure it looks like a pretty gnarly thunderstorm Classic. here in naples florida so apologies to the listeners um but it was interesting to see that guys who are such big contributors in 2021, they're all gone now for the most mm-hmm. part. Eric Haas is gone. Robbie Grossman's gone. Jonathan Scope is gone. Jamer Candelario is gone. Some of those guys have found new lives on other team. Candelario, jury's still out on Haas. You know, Grossman kind of is Grossman, as we expected. Scope's not even in the league currently. So it's just, it is crazy to me. I remember there was such a fun buzz after that 2021 season, and rightfully so. I mean, they almost finished 500. That was the best they'd played in years, especially after some of those dark days of Osmus and Gardenhire. Uh, and I remember in 2022, I mean, we all thought those guys would be massive contributors to a team that would hopefully be succeeding while also adding pieces like Green and Torque, Javi Baez, um, and just just goes to show how cold and cruel the game of baseball can be. Uh, guys who we thought at the beginning of April of 2022 were going to be, you know, big time players for hopefully a run for a few seasons aren't even a Detroit Tiger anymore. So. Enjoy it while you can, I guess. But uh, yeah, best of luck to Eric Haas. Good dude. And, um, you know, I, I, I wish him well with Cleveland. Hate that he went to Cleveland because Cleveland is probably my least favorite team in all of baseball. But uh, I wish him well with the Guardians, like you said, when they're not playing the Tigers. So that's where we're at. All right. Um, I think that's going to bring us into uh, a little Luke rant. All righty, folks. Boy, it is coming down right now in Southwest Florida. Holy moly. It's raining cats and dogs. My rant this week is centered at the most recent series, and that was against the Chicago Cubs. Here's the thing, and we're going to probably, I'm going to try to be impartial and optimistic with this discussion slash rant and then our main discussion, which I know will come after the rant. But I can totally acknowledge right now that with the Tigers, for the first time in a long time, at least offensively, fun things are happening. Kerry Carpenter, Spencer Torkelson, 
Riley Green. These guys are just kicking ass. It is awesome to see. They're contributing. They're really kind of becoming this young core unit, like a big three for the Tigers, and it's very promising, very exciting. There were some pretty fun moments in this Cubs series. You had Andy Abanez hit two home runs. As I just mentioned a little while ago, Parker Meadows made his MLB debut and had a really good showing in his first series. Kerry Carpenter with the game-tying Grand Slam uh, on the Wednesday finale. Tigers win kind of that lopsided sloppy slugfest on Tuesday night. Bullpen shut things down. Uh, Tyler Holton continues to dazzle. That guy has been a a great pickup for the Tigers. i got to give my credit to Scott Harris there. Really, really awesome. But having said all that, I still lost two out of these three games. And I think where my rant is being pointed towards this week is I get it. I understand the excitement. I understand the buzz that's starting to generate with this team. And on paper right now, depending also how this offseason shapes up, I do think things are looking pretty good slash somewhat optimistic and fun heading into 2024. A lot of moves need to be made this offseason, but that's for another show. But on paper right now with some of the guys that we have in the present, 2024 looks kind of exciting. But being young and exciting, it just doesn't automatically get you a get-out-of-jail-free card to win baseball games in the major leagues. You still have to win games. And what I witnessed in two out of those three losses of the Cubs this past week was horrific pitching. Starting pitching was gross this entire series and very shoddy defense. Matt Veerling, I know, has kind of wavered for us this season. There's been times like, yeah, this is a guy who's going to be around for seasons to come. And there's other times like, can we get him back to the Phillies ASAP? Whatever he does on offense, I know he's kind of hot and cold. And personally, I I still like Veerling. Like I said on last week's show, I don't think he's a main piece, but he reminds you like a Ryan Rayburn utility guy that you can kind of hopefully plug in from time to time. One thing I've noticed, though, he's not a third baseman. This guy is not a third baseman. I also don't think he's that great of a defender overall. I'd have to look at, I guess, the metrics and the stats and all that bullshit. But, like, I just feel like he's he's not – I don't have the most confidence in him on defense. And I don't know what was going on this week with Spencer Torkelson at first base, who's usually pretty shorthanded because Lord knows the man's back has to be sore from all the times he's got to carry Javi Baez from digging his balls out of the dirt. That sounds really funny when you just put it that way, digging his ball. And let's move on. It's a PG show. Uh, but <laughs> had a rough game at first base. Spencer Torkelson did. Stay with me. Stay with me. Stay with me here. Alex has himself muted, so he's a real professional. I'm not. Uh, real rough go for Spencer Torkelson at first base this series. And I guess, again, I'm not like overly pissed. I guess I'm just getting at with this very kind of sloppy rant on my end this week is just – I don't really care about moral victories anymore. I want to see real victories. And while I get there's a buzz and things are exciting and there's a young core developing, you still got to win baseball games. And this team has won more games and they will probably end up winning more games than last year, which is positive. But overall, they're still not doing it enough for my liking and I would hope for everyone's liking. Yeah, it's fun to be exciting and it's fun. You know, as soon as Kerry Carpenter hit that game-tying grand slam, I was like, yeah, we're back into it. But then what did they do, I think, in – a couple, uh, the next inning after that, or the eighth inning after that, whenever it was, they left runners in scoring position. Jake Rogers, love the guy, left runners on second and third with two outs in the bottom of the ninth, just needed a base hit, would have tied the game. You know, I understand it's circumstances. Baseball's hard. I just said that, but I'm over, I'm over just the moral victories and the padding on the back of fun things are coming down the road. Yeah, fun things I do think are coming down the road, but you know, also it is really fun winning. And I would be a hell of a lot more stoked for the future if we were just winning games 
and not having to be like, well, you're just a couple pieces away. Like, let's, I want to win baseball games. And while I get this series was fun and had its moments, overall, you still lost two out of three baseball games to a Cubs team, by the way, that is not terrible, but is not very good. Like, they're, they're not. They're kind of the definition of like a. I should say that I should say that they're not very good. They're very just okay. They're not a good team. They're not a bad team. They're somewhere right in the middle. They are the textbook definition of a team that is fighting for the third wild card spot to get into the playoffs right now. So a team that I feel like the Tigers really could be this season if some other moves were made along the way. But uh, yeah, just just that's where I'm at. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. I don't love the moral victory thing and whatnot, and uh, you know. It just is what it is. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain, Luke. <laughs> um, I'm not. I'm not. Hey. No, I I, I hear that um, in the moral victory game. But I, I actually think my... Wow, wow, that is a big storm. I actually think my response is going to come in the wider discussion we're about to have. So I think... I'll take us out of the rant, and we'll go into that. We are back on the Michigan and Trumbull podcast. I'm Alex Freeman, joined as always by Luke Jaconis. Luke, the main course today is a discussion about a tweet or an X, or whatever we call it now, that you sent out from our account nine days ago, on August 15th, at 9.51pm, where you tweeted the following. Again, I didn't expect Scott Harris to take last year's 66-win team and turn them into a World Series champion. I did, however, expect him to put forth some effort this season, and he has not done that, Guy has made probably one of the worst first impressions I've ever seen. That sparked uh, a quite quite a bit of discussion on X. Yeah, I think like like forty six thousand viewed or something. Yeah, impressions really <laughs> by far most by far most popular tweet. <laughs> hey, no press is bad press, baby. So I guess I guess. Um, that, yeah, let's get into it. We're going to have a conversation about that. But I guess my, my first question is, mm-hmm. what were your expectations for Scott Harris this season? And I and I and I say I say this question to one frame it, but then also mm-hmm. um, I want to take it after the after the off season. So they don't make big moves in the offseason. Mm-hmm. So I want to kind of just like take that off the table because I feel like we're now. Yeah, that was a bad for that. Like that felt like a bad first impression. Um, right. And I agree yeah. with that. But like then if that's the table stakes, they didn't go make a big move in the offseason. What then were your ex- expectations for the team? Right. So real quick, and then I, then we'll leave the offseason thing at the offseason thing. And when I say I wanted them to make a big move, and I I know we both have said this, but when you're interacting with people on Twitter, <laughs> the one thing I learned from the last week is no one, very few people actually want to have a conversation. It's who can get the best clapback. I mean, that's why we're all on Twitter to an extent. You know, we want to communicate and have fun, but also like, you know, who can get the biggest mic drop, so to speak. Uh, so to answer just the real thing about the offseason, 
when I say I ex- I wanted him to go out and add offense, I never once, and I've said this multiple times, expected him to go out and add Aaron Judge or Dansby Swanson or Trey Turner. I that was never at the top of my list. But go out and add a guy like a Justin Turner on a one year deal, fifteen twenty mil, mm-hmm. had pretty good success for the Red Sox. You know, go out and add a guy or keep onto a guy like a Jamer Candelara. Now, to be fair, and I will give Scott credit here. We all, I think, by the end of last season, were kind of over Candelario. And we're like, you know, it's probably best if we move on. Uh, it just so happens in typical Tiger fashion. Guy leaves Detroit and has a pretty solid season. And as if moves can't be bad enough, I almost felt it was like, well, let's keep scope, but dump candy and see what happens. And that move could not have blown up in anyone's face, you know, bigger than it did. Mm-hmm. So that, that's my main thing with the offseason. It was a more access and moderation. So access in the moderation, so to speak. So... I always laugh when Scott Harris comes in. He looks at a league, league historically bad league offense in 2022, and he's like, I know who I'm going to add. Tyler Nevin. Yeah. That's going to be our big ad. We're going to trade and get Nick Mayton. That's going to win the fans over. That's that's what I mean with the offense. And I think that we can agree that was a strike against Scott Harris. Yeah. yeah what yeah, I yeah. would have liked to have seen. Yeah. What I would like to have seen post off season and then into the actual 23 season are two main things. And th- let's get the elephant out of the room. Cause it's kind of fresh. The Erod trade. I think he completely bungled. I don't feel like there's many people that disagree with that. Um, I feel like, yes, to be fair, let's see what happens. Maybe Erod stays in. He's a man of his word and stays in great. Maybe they, ex- maybe, you know, just got to do what we got to do. Got to see what happens there. I don't think, you know, they're going to extend them by any means, but let's see what happens. But on paper right now, if Erod walks and the Tigers completely shit the bed on dealing probably one of the top five starting pitchers in a trade deadline market that was clamoring for starting pitching, mm-hmm. if you let that guy walk and get nothing in return, I think that's alert. That's not even one strike. That's almost a strikeout in and of itself. So that that's strike two, I would say, and then my third and final strike would be. Well, hang on, I'm going to stop you right here because I want to let's talk about yeah, let's talk about Erod while we're here. And we okay, and we've ahead. talked about this a bit. We talked about this post trade deadline, um, and I agree completely. We have to wait until the off season to actually know if if this was bungled terribly or not, um, and I. What I keep coming back to when I think about the Erod situation is that as soon as Scherzer becomes available, Verlander becomes available, the market for Erod dropped a little bit. There was still obviously a need for starting pitching from various teams around the league, but the return the return on value for Erod that you were going to get was sort of like now if you were thinking about a deal with the Astros, that wasn't going to happen. If you were thinking about a deal with the Rangers, that wasn't going to happen. Um, And so what then becomes so highly available that you then, it makes sense to move him. Obviously something was coming together with the Dodgers that probably would have made a lot of sense. Um, Erod then exercised his contractual right to not go to the Dodgers because he, um, in in given the right. choice between the two, he would rather be in Detroit. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that I think that what we're starting to see from this team as well, um, in terms of like this this young core that appears to be starting to really appear, 
um, that that kind of calculation from Erod can make a lot of sense. That like he 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 there could be a nice little home here for him, a chance to win for a few more years um, as they as it comes together. And so I, it's it's hard to give credit to a guy for not making a move. Um, but I do, I do give Scott Harris credit for not making any move for not just making any move. Um, because, because we have also, uh, <laughs> we're also coming from Alavila and sometimes Dave Dabrowski where they like gave away guys for mm-hmm. a, essentially a bag of donuts and, and we're like, well, why, why, why? Uh-huh. Like we've gained nothing from that deal. <laughs> um, and so we didn't do that and are now even, even if he opts out, probably a leader in the clubhouse to sign Erod for future seasons. Yeah, I think my, and that's a great point to bring up with Scherzer and Verlander. I'm sure when those names are being floated around, yeah, Erod's value dipped a little. I don't doubt that at all. The thing that was most frustrating me, and again, we'll never know all this. This is all hearsay. The only one we're going to know is like in five to ten years of the of the um, reports of what that deal to the Dodgers could have been had they traded Erod or had he accepted the trade to L.A. Um, the thing that I think frustrates me is there were so many reports saying that it wasn't just the Dodgers. It wasn't just the Astros or the Rangers. You had the Marlins. You mm-hmm. had Tampa. You had Baltimore, who has the best farm system in baseball, all of these teams were to be reportedly in on the Eduardo Rodriguez sweepstakes. And it just, the the way, again, I could be wrong on this. You can agree to disagree. It is what it is. We're all entitled to our opinion. It just looks like to me that Scott Harris had either A, such a ridiculously high asking price for Eduardo Rodriguez, and he didn't really know his own value, or B, he was all his eggs in one basket for the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. And I think both of those are not a great look for your first year president trying to deal one of the most highly touted starting pitchers at the trade deadline. And I think I would not be so hard on Scott Harris for his first deadline had starting pitching not been such a premium. If it was like, hey, well, maybe a couple guys go, yeah, I get it. You, you don't want to just roll over and die like Avila did with Verlander or J.D. Mm-hmm. Martinez. Justin Upton, et cetera. But starting pitching was the thing in demand this last trade deadline. So for me, again, you don't want to give them away for a bag of donuts, but I'm it's just an eye roll. Like you couldn't even get this done. And again, we'll we'll never know. We'll never know what happened behind closed doors. Maybe something was going to happen last minute with the Orioles or Tampa Bay or Miami or another team, but it just didn't. But on paper, I just don't love the optics of how he handled trying to deal. I mean, honestly, everyone knew Eduardo Rodriguez was as good as gone. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I didn't expect a big return or haul for Lorenzen. He's a one-year rental. He's going to start maybe nine or ten games for the Phillies, maybe a couple postseason games. He's already had a great debut with them through a no-hitter. <laughs> so I mean, you can't you can't fault that trade there. I don't give any you know strikes to Harris on that deal. But the Eduardo Rodriguez one was like, you've got a guy. Big name pitcher has you know potential to stay in. Could opt out. There's some control. Whatever you want to do. And I just felt like he I felt like like we said a few weeks ago. I felt like he he screwed that up. So that would be my my strike too. Um, 
Do you have a, a rebuttal or should I move on to strike three? You're out. Well, I'm, 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 I'm not entirely sure. Tell me if this is your strike three, because then I'll, I'll wait for you to make the point. But, okay. um, cause one of the things that you were, you were pushing back on as a lot of people pushed back on you in the comments, um, was a lot of people brought up the, how greatly improved the tiger's farm system is. Um, mm-hmm. and I think that when we think about the Erod trade, like your your count your counter arguments to the prospect question, um, to the way in which that's been is that like, well, we don't know we don't know for years, which like we were never getting Will Smith for for Erod. Um like we were we weren't getting it was going to be prospects and like maybe maybe a guy or two that is like an okay, there were rumors okay for starting offering. pitching though. Um, mm-hmm. But again, you're, you're probably downgrading your starting pitching in some, in some respect, if you are offloading Erod and whoever they're sending back. Um, so, so I just, I just, I just, uh, I don't know that, that there was going to be an Erod trade necessarily that we could be sitting here going, Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Feel really great about this trade. Because I thought what I, what I, what I, in five years. Yeah. What I honestly thought Scott Harris would do with Eduardo Rodriguez, and this involves prospects and Eduardo Rodriguez. I, I guess I just expected Scott Harris to be more creative. His first deadline. I, you can tell now he's kind know. of doing a fire not, sale of not moving. Uh, probably the, the third or fourth best available pitcher. That's pretty creative. That or I'm convinced he didn't know what time the trade deadline ended. But who, hey, who's to say? He was he was like, still looking at Pacific time on his watch, so he thought he had three more hours. <laughs> he he saw what was it five or six o'clock rolling? Went oh shit! <laughs> what if that was what it was? Like, he forgot to reset his watch. Was he George Costanza for the Yankees? <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. 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 No, I think I think that's maybe honestly maybe hidden all that under all this is is my biggest frustration or kind of letdown with Scott Harris in the first deadline was I just, I kind of thought he'd be a little bit more creative. Mm. You know, I thought there was a potential, you know, a guy who even said himself that he heard his name was getting floated around was Jake Rogers. Had you told me going into the trade deadline that Jake Rogers was going to be a name that was being floated around for catchers. I was like, that, that's not happening. Absolutely not. So I just thought maybe he would maybe do a package thing like a Rogers and a, a Rodriguez and a prospect for who knows? Mm-hmm. Who knows? And again, like like I said, we won't we won't know. I, I do want to shift the conversation to the prospect thing because you are correct. The one thing most people came at me in the comments for was what he's done with the miners, and I I kept saying even in the in my responses, yeah, what he's done is great on paper, and I'm not trying to downplay what he did. I mean, going from 25 to 13, going from bottom five to almost cracking the top 10 is phenomenal. That's really, really awesome. It's it's a tremendous jump in the rankings. But and it's not just a temper it's, expectations. And, it's not, and I, I understand that you, you say on paper because they're not in the major leagues, but um, uh-huh. the Erie Seawolves have locked up a postseason bid. Um, the West Michigan Whitecaps are are trending, looking like they're going to to make the postseason. And the Toledo Mudhens are probably going to make the postseason. So I, I just on the field as well against these other farm systems, mm-hmm. it is panning out into playoff caliber teams. 
Yeah, and that's that's awesome. That's awesome. With all due respect, I mean, no disrespect to our fans of the minor leagues. I don't really care if the <laughs> West Michigan Whitecaps win a championship. I don't give a shit. I hope those guys develop. I hope they make their way to the majors as fast as possible because I want to see the Detroit Tigers win a World Series. No disrespect to those coaches, those players, those trainers, those fans. If they win, I hope you throw a freaking parade and get drunk off your ass and don't show up to work for 10 days and you're just out partying. That's awesome. Me, I'm not going to lose a minute of sleep of excitement or otherwise, if the white caps win a championship or if the Erie Seawolves win a championship, that's just me. Maybe that's kind of a dick take, but that's, that's where I'm at. I want to see major league success, not minor league championship success. But I feel like the one thing that I was so, I guess, kind of surprised by is we've even seen recently with Tigers prospects who have been highly touted and excited and exciting and all these things, them get to the majors and A, either have no success or semi-success or just battle injuries. Mm-hmm. It was not that long ago that you could not talk about a bigger four starting pitching when it came to Casey Mize, Tarek Skubal, Matt Manning, Franklin Perez. Tarek Skubal, Matt Manning, currently in the majors. Matt Manning is like a teeter-totter. One, one day he's up, one day he's down, you never know. Tarek Skubal is the only guy, even though he struggled in some of his starts back, he's only been, I think, pitched in nine games this mm-hmm. season. So I'm not going to go in on him. He's been, he was injured for half the year. I think Tarek Skubal is going to be electric for seasons to come. So that's good stuff there. Casey Mize is hurt. Franklin Perez has never even sniffed the major leagues. So I just, you know, I don't want to harp on a guy like Spencer Torkelson because now I know he's finding success. But for the first year and a half, he did not have any success. Mm-hmm. He was pretty brutal to watch. So I get that there's excitement. There's a buzz for the the farm that Scott Harris is creating, and that's great. But I just, like I tell you with the Detroit Lions, just temper expectations a little bit. Because just because something looks great on paper doesn't automatically mean it's going to translate to success. And in my opinion, and this was, I think, one of my biggest sticking points, is Scott Harris has a hard job. Mm-hmm. He's got a very hard job. I don't, I don't shy away from that fact at all. When Al Avila was here, he also had a hard job. Now, I think he was just absolutely completely underqualified for his job. Never should even been a candidate in the running in the first place, but that's a whole other discussion. Scott Harris's job is hard. It sucks. It's tricky. It's difficult. And I want to just say this real quick, and I, I kind of wanted to say it at the top of this discussion, but I'm going to say it now. I am not actively rooting for the demise of Scott Harris. A little bit towards the end, I was for Al Avila, maybe a little, but shit, even if the Tigers got good under Al's tenure, I would have been excited. I would have been like, I would not have been like sitting back in a corner, like maniacally stroking my cartoon mustache, being like, good, it's all Mm -hmm. going like I'd hoped it was. Like, I want Scott Harris to succeed. If Scott succeeds at his job, it means the Tigers are succeeding at their job, which means we as fans are finally going to get a product that I feel we have deserved for many, many, many years, a championship caliber team. I hope that happens. But if people think that I'm just going to sit by and other fans should just sit by and be like, well, really hasn't done much this first year, but hey, let's just kind of keep following blindly. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to be as subjective as I can. Here's some things that I'll tell you and impartial and down the middle that I can be. Here's some things that I think uh, Scott Harris has done really well this season. First of all, the thing he's done the most successful at the major league level, whether it was skill, eye for talent, luck, a mixture of three, what Tyler Holton is doing right now as a relief pitcher for the Detroit Tigers is incredible. I don't know if that was a Scott Harris had a, you know, a lucky horseshoe up his ass or if he just had a feeling about Tyler Holton, if he thought there was something there that other teams didn't see. But Tyler Holton has been – is Tyler Holton, I think, has to be one of the top three most underrated pitchers in all of baseball, if, if not number one. His numbers 
are just incredible. And that is a direct kudos to Scott Harris. I'll give him a half pass, I guess, for Andy Abanez and Zach McKinstry. Yeah, I know Abanez had the big game the other night. Zach McKinstry was fun for like four or five weeks. Consistently, though, they're not really guys I think you want around for the long haul. Maybe Abanez is a utility guy, maybe. Mm-hmm. The Phillies trade, I don't know. There's days Matt Verlin looks like he can he can hack it. There's days he can't. I'm completely over Nick Mayton, not even a Tiger at the moment. He's uh, you know down in Toledo. So I guess the point I'm making is with this part of the conversation is Scott Harris's job is all-encompassing. He's got to worry about the majors and the minors. And while I think on paper he's done a lot of really good with the minor leagues, and I think it is going to hopefully translate to success for the Tigers sooner than later, at the major league level this season, I don't think he did enough to put forth an effort that make it seem like you are competing. He's pretty much lived and died by picking up waiver wire guys. Some of them have worked out. Some of them haven't. He has been incredibly lenient with giving certain players leashes. Nick Mayton, Eric Haas. I know Akil Badu has been hot as of late, but had not a great season mm-hmm. up to this point. Uh, Chase and Tree would be another guy I put up there, you know, who's no longer with the team. And I guess my thing is your job just isn't the minors. Your job is also the majors. It's, it's Again, it's a shit job. You're always going to get grenades from one way or the other. People are always going to be judging you from one way or the other. But I just don't feel like I've seen enough at the major league level with moves that he has directly made, minus those one or two that I mentioned, that would warrant me giving him a passing grade for his first season as president of the Detroit Tigers. Um, well, Luke, here's why you're wrong. <laughs> um because what I think Scott Harris has done this year, and I think um, I I give him big props because I think he's he's done it in the face of a fan base, myself included, who is absolutely sick of the process. Um, we're just sick and tired of the process of rebuilding a team and rebuilding a franchise um, because we've been at it for seven years. And, but what he has done is with, with a lot of the things that we've talked about a lot with, uh, as we look at the Cardinals who obviously are not a great example this particular season, but most of the time they are, um, and the San Francisco giants where, where he came from, um, teams that are sort of like consistently in the mix, um, that have always seemed to have talent kind of a showing up, uh, appearing, coming up through the system, doing a really nice job of player development. That didn't exist when he appeared. That is now more or less in a place heading in the correct direction. Um, So that as you go out and you add pieces to this core that is kind of developing and is appearing, the Kerry Carpenters. Yeah, Spencer Torkelson's been up and down, but I would include him as part of like the core of the future of the Detroit Tigers for the next few seasons. And I'm not, I'm not mad about it. Um, Riley green, uh, those guys who now, okay, great. Let's go add Erod included in that. Let's go add a couple of more. Let's add another starting pitcher. Let's uh, we've got Scooble developing into that spot. We'll see what Mize that should buy Mize some time next year to come back from Tommy John. Um, and we don't necessarily need him going seven, eight innings, um, you know, to, to kind of establish that and trending in the right direction. And when I think about a team that is trending in the right direction, 
finally, and a team that someone like Erod would say, no, I do want to, I want to stay here um, and see this through uh, as opposed to going to the Dodgers um, is things that this team and take this for what it is because the central sucks this year, but they have a legitimate shot at finishing second in the division um, within a stone's throw of first. And so you look at that just instantly on paper and you say, okay, this is a very winnable division next year, unless all of these teams go out and suddenly start spending money, um, which I don't think they will in the off, in this off season. The Tigers are probably the only central team that is potentially going to be a spender on the market in this off season. Um, they, won the season series against Cleveland. They won the season series against Minnesota. They won the season series against the Royals. Um, there's a a good, they have a shot at winning the season series against the White Sox. There's a, a very real possibility that this is against the Central, the best team in the Central Division. They had an atrocious start to the year. Um, that was ultimately, I think, is going to prove disastrous. Uh, and and so that's why they're going to miss the playoffs um, is is sort of that disastrous April, which that they also at the time drew the short straw of running into a a historically hot team in the Rays to start the year. So so there is a certain amount of of that but they're also 17 and 16 in one run games. Um that is a a winning record in tight baseball games. They are 19 and 19 here in the second half of the year. They are playing 500 baseball looking at the schedule ahead. There's no reason I think that they shouldn't finish above 500 for the second half of the year because they're they're playing teams that they should beat. So all things trending in the right direction finally they just got a new plane um all things that you can you can use to to start to attract some of that talent as well in the off season that signal to me it is no longer business as usual that we've we've grown accustomed to under alavila that there are things going on that there is a culture shift happening that they are going to be uh, they're going to be the trendy pick to win the central next year in the preseason. That's that I'm I'm calling it now. Everybody is going to say the Detroit Tigers. Gonna be like I think those Tigers are really going to do it this year because they'll have they'll have come off a a second in the division where they're probably five games under 500, finishing second in the division, which is a, a massive indictment of the American League Central, but. Uh, it it's moving in the right direction. See, I think you're, I think you're a little more optimistic than I am because I don't feel like, ne- and I'm not saying that you're saying next year is a cakewalk, but they still have like what they got wait like 35 to 40 games left in the season. They're going to play the Astros this weekend, mm-hmm. you know, unless something crazy happens. You know, probably Astros might whoop up on them a little bit. The Yankees are always the Yankees. I feel like that's a team the Tigers struggle to play. For what it's worth, at the end of September, they're in 
uh, California, you know, they're playing the Angels, they're playing the Dodgers, they're playing the A's. I know the A's suck, but they always beat the Tigers. Angels always beat the Tigers, even though they're just as pathetic as the Tigers. So I just feel like, again, and this probably isn't the best argument, but I'll see it. I'll believe it when I see it, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't, and I do agree to an extent that I, I'm not, a, I'm not naive enough or stubborn enough to be like, I'm sticking to my point and I'm not going to admit that there's been no improvements this season. Cause there have been, there have been, this team will be better than the 2022 Tigers. I feel like my prediction of them kind of being that 71 to 74 win team is looking pretty good right now. I think they're 58 and 69, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Nice. Um, so I guess the thing that I'm frustrated too, with you've brought it up early and on kind of your rebuttal, the division is so winnable. Mm-hmm. The division is so winnable. And I would love to see in an alternate universe, if we didn't give a guy like Nick Mayton so many at-bats in June, if we didn't give someone like Eric Haas so many at-bats, you know, if we would have called up a guy like a Parker Meadows or a Justin Henry Moy. See, this is why I'm also, I'm a little bit, stern or I guess not as lenient with Scott Harris as others because I do feel like he contradicts himself a lot he made comments when they called up Parker Meadows being like we just don't want guys to get up here and have to try to figure it out on the fly well I'm Scott um Nick Maton's been doing that all season Eric Haas had been doing it Akil Badu Jonathan Scope Zach McKinstry Andy Abanez on the pitching side of things you had a guy like Reese Olsen you had guys in the bullpen a Mason Engler etc like it that just doesn't that doesn't that doesn't pass the smell test with me. You can't say for one guy, well, we're just kind of waiting to try to. We don't want to screw up his development by just thrusting him into the majors while half of your roster is doing that. Like that's where I'm a little bit, I guess, sterner with him, and I'm not going to let I that think, one slide. I think the difference there is, you know, the most of the guys you just mentioned are established major league baseball players, um, as opposed to, okay, this is a guy who has not been to the majors yet. Um, we can, we have him on a development track. Cause one thing that I will say is that, uh, Parker Meadows looked absolutely ready to be in the game, uh, uh-huh. when he came up. And that is not something we've necessarily seen from a prospect coming up in the Detroit Tigers organization for some time. Uh, it has been, well, it has to be the time now. Uh, and he's going to have to learn at this level as opposed to, uh, like, you know, I was reading through Scott Harris's comments um, after Parker Meadows came up and like talking about, you know, what we'd like talking about wanting to see defensive improvements from guys like Justin Henry Malloy and those types of things with that they can get that issue sorted out at the minor league level before they bring them up that like perhaps from a batting perspective, those guys are ready. But from a defensive perspective, they're not quite where they want to see them. And so give them that shot. But the, we saw. Parker Meadows ready from both ends uh, mm-hmm. this the past three days. And that's fair. And I, and I get that in theory, maybe that's kind of a culture change that we're not used to seeing that I'll have to get, you know, kind of more accustomed to seeing. And I, I get that. And I, I don't think for the record, it has to always be when the team starts struggling, call up the prospects. Like I, I don't like, if you called up Max Clark right now, that would mean and do absolutely nothing. Like, I don't think that would help anyone. I think it would only make things worse. But with guys who are consistently succeeding at the AAA level, it's like they can only do so much. Like, unless they're really going after that Toledo Mudheads championship that you kind of mentioned a little while ago, like, why is a guy like Parker Meadows, why did it take him this long to debut when there was clearly, you know, 
an opening for someone like him to kind of come up and get his reps in. The same thing I think could be said about Justin Henry Malloy right now. Matt Veerling is not a third baseman. Justin Henry Malloy is a third baseman. What do you have to lose? And I'm sure by the time, you know, this drops, you know, he'll either be called up or just mm-hmm. about being called up because we're getting close to September. Uh, but maybe he doesn't get the September call. He's not even on the 40 man right now. So, so who knows? We'll have to wait and see. But I guess for me, that's kind of where I'm just like, doesn't necessarily pass the smell test. But again, maybe this is just the way Scott Harris handles his business. And I will just say this for the record. Again, I'm not rooting for the demise of Scott Harris. I don't want Scott Harris to fail. I want him to succeed. To me, Chris Illich is a piece of shit. I got I got no respect for Chris Illich, how he handles his business. Sell the team, Chris. Sell Sell the the team. team. There is nothing Chris can do that will ever redeem himself in my eyes because, as in my opinion, he was culpable just like Al Avila was for the last eight to nine seasons of this monstrosity. So there's nothing that Chris can do in this point in time that will ever win me back as a fan. I'm not even remotely close to that kind of mentality with Scott Harris. I'm not. But I do think, and even if, and knock on wood, I hope the Tigers win the Central next year and win some World Series in two, three, whatever – even if we look back on those, I will always look back as his on his first season as president as a disappointment. Again, it doesn't mean the entire trajectory of his career as a president is going to be a disappointment. I just feel like the moves or lack thereof that he has made, mainly at the major league level this season, has been underwhelming. And this is where I'll go back to the tweet directly. I'm not just trying to pat myself on the back here. Because trust me, there were people coming at me in the comments taking shots. But there was also a lot of people who were coming... And be like, yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. I don't think this is good. I think the one thing that I will, that I was most taken aback by, by the comments, was that it seemed like there was almost Scott Harris Puritans or fanboys that like he could go out there and like punch a four-year-old in the face. And they'd be like, he's doing a great job as a president. I mean, got a mean right hook. He's doing a great job. And it's like, did anyone just not witness the assault on the toddler here? Nope. Okay. We just love Scott that much that we're going to like have that militia mob mentality that he can do no wrong. Like that was mm-hmm. to me... Like you yourself, you said you probably maybe it may I'm going to I gather that you agreed with some aspects of my tweet, but you could at least acknowledge that he has not had a perfect, perfect game in his first season as president, where I feel like there are people on Twitter. And maybe this just goes to show why the Internet, social media and Twitter in general can suck sometimes. They're like, this guy's great. He's, he's doing great. You're wrong. He's done everything great. Where it's like objectively, that's not true. He is. He has had a couple of missteps, which is fine. That's going to happen. I expect missteps to happen, but then let's not, you know, let's not throw the man a parade for just doing the average, doing the minimum, so to speak. He's he's done a great job with getting that minor leagues going. I can't wait to see some of those guys. I think he's only going to build, build, build off that. I have a hunch this offseason he is going to be a hell of a lot more active than he was last offseason, and mm-hmm. that excites me. But just, again, judging the first season as president, I've been underwhelmed. I do think it was a bad first impression. I don't think it's just that's it. The game's over for him. Pack up, go home. I still think he'll be successful. I want him to be successful. If he's successful, the team's successful. That means we as fans are happy and just loving life. And I think we are long overdue for happiness as Tiger fans. Yeah, I think my biggest pushback on the on the tweet itself was uh... – similar to to the flip side being Scott Harris can do no wrong was I don't I don't think it's the worst first impression I I think that it's it's not been the year we want it to have been but when I like look at the numbers look at where the team was when Scott Harris took the job I go he's doing a good job it's going in the right direction 
can it go faster is kind of my ultimate verdict on Scott Harris. I, I love that. And that, that's the thing for me that I'm, I'm hoping it's like, if you're going to rebuild, let's just hope he can build faster than Al. And it's a weird thing. And I hope this doesn't null and void everything I just said. (laughs) I am having, I guess more, fun this season but then i'm not because like i want to win baseball games yeah like that was what my rant was about this week like i get it the team is more fun and like they're they are a hundred percent better on paper on tv than they were than last year and that's great and fun and exciting but again they're gonna still not finish 500 this year they're gonna probably lose anywhere from 985 games what are they 69 yeah maybe maybe around 80 85 games in that ballpark i think the the one thing I will say, I, I know we want to probably cut it short here soon, but the one thing I will say, and again, this is why I think debating with people in person is a hell of a lot better than doing it on yeah. Twitter because you can have <laughs> you know constructive dialogue. Where I will give Scott Harris credit, I think at the height this ceiling, the, the, the max the ceiling can be for the Tigers the rest of the season, if they can get close to their record that they had in 2021. I think they mm-hmm. were 77 and. 86 or something like that. I don't remember off the top of my head. I'd have to look it up, but I like that would be an ideal scenario. Cause I honestly had them, I think I want to say like 71, 72 wins. You would imagine they can beat that, but um, yeah, I think that's their max. I don't think they're going to win the division. Don't even get me started on how it is beyond frustrating that they can't put some consistency together to win this putrid AL central because you are right. They have played really well against the Central. I mean, for God's sakes, we're bearing lead here. This is their first series victory over the Cleveland Guardians since 2015. I mean, that is worth celebrating. That is a feather in the cap to the Detroit Tigers. Mm-hmm. I, I give them two golf claps for that. I mean, that's impressive. That that warrants celebration. Now, also, it doesn't help that the Guardians completely suck and uh, they're just com- they're just abysmal. But you know, it is what it is. I, I want this team to be better. I think. Things are starting to get better, but I got to again then restrain myself and I'm going to caution you to do the same. We had the same mentality from 21 to 22. Mm-hmm. And how did that, how did that work out for us? Let's not just automatically say 2024 AL central champions, Detroit Tigers going into this off season, because I don't want to get burned yet again by this team. Close things out. Uh, today's number uh, is going to be a big shout out to our friend Tom Souls, um, as I believe the Oakland Athletics have been eliminated from postseason contention. Um, <laughs> so my question to you, Luke, uh, on what date last year were the Detroit Tigers eliminated from playoff contention? Um. Well, they finished 66 and 96, so, so they were an even 30 under. Um, I'm going to go August 8th. So when I, when I picked this, I, I expected the, the date to be in the month of August, but it's not, they made it into September before they were officially eliminated from playoff contention last year. Um, so I'm gonna give you another shot at it. Okay. Um, let's go September 3rd. Also, yeah, I would say I, I anticipated it to be around now. 
Yeah. It was actually September 14th is when the Tigers were actually eliminated from playoff contention. Just that, goes to, Those were some just, bad guesses. On, just yeah. goes to show how the, the Central has sucked, not just this year. <laughs> Many years. But they've been, it, they've been around. Those are some bad guesses on my part because the Oakland A's are way worse than the 2022. The, the 23 A's are way worse than the 2022 Tigers. And if they just got eliminated at the end of August, mm-hmm. there's no way they would have been eliminated in early August because it's, yeah, they weren't. And it is cer- and like certain guesses on my certainly part. like around August 8th, it was like the A's are going to have to go. I don't know how many, how many games here, but like something like, 44 and three the rest of the way well <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah but it was still technically possible for them mm-hmm. to do it uh speaking of the a's you know what's sad and i mentioned this a little bit ago miguel cabrera's final road series in his career will be played at the oakland ass coliseum <laughs> that is so depressing that is so depressing if that doesn't make what, you want what, to retire what do you think? i don't know what does yeah what do you? Th- all these teams have been doing like the farewell gifts to Miggy. What do you think the aides are going to give Miggy? Like a crushed up like can of Diet Coke. Like <laughs> he's going to get some soda from the clubhouse that the Tigers have been paying. He's right? going to get a DVD of Moneyball. <laughs> not even a Blu-ray. Not a 4K Blu-ray. A DVD of the movie Moneyball. Yep, that'll be the gift. They actually might just give him the Coliseum because like they don't need it anymore. No, they don't. I would honestly, if I were the A's, I would just turn that thing into a Spirit Halloween. Truly. You know, I don't think they haven't thought about turning the upper level into a spirit Halloween for the month of September. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm really excited. And we're going to wrap this up here. I'm really excited. Um, I think one reason too, why I'm still like, I've, this is the most I've actively watched the Tigers. Probably. I always watch them. I always say I'm going to stop watching or I check out, but I never really do. But I think one reason why I'm obviously still so locked in this season with the Tigers, obviously because Miggy's career is coming to an end, but us going to Detroit, for those final two games at Comerica are going to be great. We've had a lot of couple people reach out on Twitter, um, just like fellow accounts and stuff being like, Hey, like let's meet up and like, we'll have to meet like, and so that's gonna be fun. Like a, seems like a cool little, like tigers, Twitter meet and greet, you know, we'll have to reach out to some people and uh, you know, see if we can, we can meet. I think we got to try to do that review of the Michigan and Trumbull pizza place. If it's open, yep. that seems very apropos and uh, just hopefully watch Miguel Cabrera get a couple hits and just rock the house to say goodbye to that's that's gonna be a fun weekend i'm the more that's getting closer i'm getting excited regardless of where the team is at like in terms of standings mm-hmm. and record and all that shit like i'm just excited to go it's gonna be a really fun weekend and my first time in comerica since 2009 so definitely due for a revisit yeah and so yeah if you're if you're a listener out there and you're planning to uh be at comerica on the uh 30th and 1st of uh september and october there, the last two games of miguel cabrera's career let us know because we're going to be there. Um, love to meet you. Love to say hello and uh, cheer on Mickey a, f- a few more times together. It'll be a beautiful thing. Luke, have a great week. Have a week, man. Take care. 